Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, extraordinary people of planet Earth. What a privilege and an honor to be with you again. I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you're happy, that you're healthy. Sending you a huge hug through the airwaves. We have an incredible episode for you today. We have Paris Robinson, and I I titled this one, um, Surviving Four Gunshots, Two Near-Death Experiences, Homelessness, Jail, and Addiction, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I was introduced to Paris and his story through Mark England, who's been on the podcast before, and he told me, um, hey, Matt, I saw this guy speak, and you have to get him on your show. What an incredible story. So, Holy crap, you are in for it. This is this is incredible. Like Paris's story is pretty nuts. Um, we talk about Paris getting addicted to heroin many times, going to jail multiple times. Um, we talk about his uh, the first day in prison. We talk about um, addiction, uh, getting shot four times at point blank, the road to recovery and the many complications. Um, he's now in a wheelchair Um you know, holy crap, he, he couldn't use, I, I think it was like two years, he couldn't even use like his arms or a year or something, uh, hosp- being in the hospital, homeless, and, and getting out on the other side, like it comes out, he gets out to the other side, and now he's talking about basically um, how you shouldn't have any excuses, and, he, and he's kind of come, I don't know, like a, I would call him a spiritual master because of like what he says from his own experience, he's like, he is, he's very, very on point as far as, you know, what he has to offer and what he talks about. About now because he has absolutely been through the ringer. This is an an incredible podcast. I broke it up in two parts, so please share it. Um, I'm going to link Google Paris Robinson. Check out uh, YouTube. He doesn't even have a website yet, um, so hopefully he does, and I'll link it up as soon as I can. But um, just find him, support him, um, throw a few bucks his way if you can on PayPal because he's still, um, through Mark, is like just barely barely getting by um invite him to speak anywhere this guy is something else so you're gonna you're about to find out yourself so let's support this guy because holy smokes what a story and there's nobody getting past him i don't care what your circumstances in life like you know the way he shares the information and what he has is like no excuses like let's be real let's figure out who we are what we want to do and um like it it's the way he does it is just a, such a level of authenticity because like you know his story is nuts um and you're about to find out all about it so please support him in any way that you can um invite him to speak in the states contribute to him on paypal we're gonna get him sorted out mark and i are helping him just get basic things sorted out so uh this guy should be supported so uh if you like this show and you want to support uh please leave a review in itunes that's so helpful um share the episode and uh patreon is so 
uh, helpful as well. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair, you can just toss a buck in the bucket. Uh, thank you to CK and Eric Grismo. You guys are awesome. I appreciate you tossing a buck in the bucket and all my patrons. It is helping massively. And a special, special thanks to my new friend Tyson, who uh, reached out via Instagram, found out that we were both in Vancouver, um, and he has contributed and supported, um, helped me find tires for my car and my, my new Volvo, which I'm super stoked on. Um, but like actually took an action to help and, and I'm just so, so grateful. There's a few of you out there that have um, been contributing and I'm just, I'm so grateful. I had to take a, you know, leap of faith again. You know, it's like, oh my God, I got to go to Guatemala. I know I got to go there and I really want a place in the, in the winter. That's just my, my own space and had to take a leap of faith. And both of those things have worked out and, um, I had to do it first. I had to do it with no security nets. So I'm just so grateful to all of you. So special thanks to all my patrons, to Tyson, to those who have contributed to those who have shared the podcast, all of that stuff. But the best thing that you can do if you want to support the show is do one kind act for somebody today, please. And if not, even better, just do the kindness challenge. Three kind acts a day. Um, go out of your way to do it and don't tell anybody. Just tell me on social media you're doing the kindness challenge. Um, you don't have to talk about all the kind acts. You can share one or two if you want. But the idea is not to boast about it. It's just to go out and be kind. So um, let me know on social media if you're doing it. Take a screenshot of the podcast, share it, um, get it out there. That's how the podcast grows. That's how this message spreads is with you sharing. So um, please take the kindness challenge. Let's together make kindness go viral. Um, If you want coaching, I'm doing more sessions. Go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. I'm going to take on a couple new clients in the new year. I can only take on a few and I'm looking at redesigning the coaching so I can serve more of you. So if you want to go dive deep, uh, hit me up and uh, just grateful for all of you. Uh, Check out David Lone Bear, Lone Bear's Arts. Uh, he could use some support as well. I'm still trying to help him. We want to get that resonator built. We want to get that biodome up and we need some benevolent investors. We need some help. He also needs a, uh, like his computer hit the fritz. So he needs a, I think we got a monitor sorted, but like uh, the, the computer part of it, whatever the heck that is, the geez, I don't know. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, but he needs help. He's, he's doing all this in basic poverty. So if you guys can help, we want to put another balloon into space. This is serious crap. You can look at the biodome in North Carolina. You can look at his balloons in space. Look up Project Bright Star. So trying to help him and we could use his support. Um, I could definitely use his support. Um, but, I, you know, I'm driving. I'm stoked. I'm so happy. So blessed. So thank you guys. I love you guys. Have an incredible day. Let's just come into peace and coherence before we get in here. So wherever you are in the world, just taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. Just setting the intention to come to total peace and coherence now. Letting that breath out slowly with all the limitations, self-criticism, stresses, and anxieties. Taking in another deep breath in through your nose. Holding in that breath and just realize you're connected to divine life force, that you're valuable, worthy, incredible, just as you are. Let that breath out slowly with all the limitations and all the self-doubts. Taking one more deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just realize that you are a powerful divine creator, that you are enough, that you are incredible just as you are. All right, let's get into this incredible part one with the man, Paris Robinson. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia by a single mother and attended John Marshall High School. Along his journey, he has been homeless, suffered from drug addiction, has been shot four times in the chest at point-blank range, and left for dead. He was hospitalized and paralyzed from the neck down. Now he shares his struggles and experiences to try and inspire people and give hope to those dealing with their own struggles. 
Welcome to the show, Paris Robinson. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Brother, it's so good to have you on the show. I, I was talking to Mark England a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he, just, he just wrote me and he said, you have to have this guy on the show. So, you know, what little I know about your experiences and story is pretty mind-blowing. So do you want to just uh, catch the audience up to speed about, a little bit about who you are and like how you got to where you are today? Because it, it is really, from what I know, pretty amazing. Yeah, no problem. Um, like you say, I'm Paris Robinson. I was born and raised here in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, grew up with a single mother. You know, I have an older sibling. He's 10 years older than me. Um, my, my story, actually, uh, I don't have a, I had a great childhood coming up, right? Uh, I had a mother that provided very well for me and my brother. Um, you know, she worked well. She she installed good values and principles inside of us. Right? Um, it was just uh, when when I got outside of the house, you know, had my idea because growing up, I always uh, my my heroes was like football players, like Emmitt Smith and basketball players. You know, like uh, Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and, and those type of guys. It's a uh, like when I got in high school, how my perception of life had changed, my ideas of life had changed. How I went from um, looking at at those type of guys, you know, as in football as role models, you know, like Muhammad Ali, and and, and I went to looking at uh, movies of Scarface and King of New York, and you know, um, other like big time drug dealers that lived around my area. All right, so um. As me coming up, and like I say, my mother—I was—I was. I was uh, my mother was single, so she would uh, work, and I was what they call a latchkey kid. So you know, when I was at home, you know, I was the great mama's boy. I did, you know, I stayed close to my mother. But when when she was at work, I got to you know venture through the neighborhoods and venture other parts of the city, you know, while she wasn't there, you know, and. Um, <laughs> I got attracted to, you know, like a certain lifestyle, you know, um, for me coming up, I, you know, I, I can't say that, you know, I went without like eating or we didn't have lights. We, you know, I've always had like my own bedroom, you know, I've all, my mother fed me, you know, and provided very well for me. Um, but, uh, you know, and I dressed real nice going to school. And um, in that time, I always considered myself like a, a, a ladies' man, you know. I, you know, I dress real nice. I, you know, so I've never, you know, I've had complaints about how I look, but for the most part, you know, I got nice-looking girlfriends and stuff. And um, I guess in that um, going to school early, you know, um, when you mingle with different kids, that's uh, like uh, when they start busting kids into the neighborhood into different schools. You know, you start uh, seeing uh, different lifestyles. You start seeing different culture, right? And um, that kind of uh, attracted me. Well, I ain't gonna say kinda. It did attract me, right? And um, like I said, I would venture out and and go and visit different neighborhoods and and see different people. And um, after high school, um, the it was during the time of the the crack cocaine epidemic. Right? Um, during high, after high school, when I had a lot of time on my hand, you know, uh, 
I always knew that I wasn't gonna do no hard work. Like I always knew that I wasn't gonna um, like uh, build buildings or dig ditches or, you know, um, and like I tip my head off to the guys that does those type of work jobs. But I always knew that I, was, I wasn't gonna be one of those. You know, I always consider myself, or looked at myself as being in um, uh, an executive or being in boardrooms or, you know, working inside. But the time that I was in school, I never put my best effort to, to, to get those type of jobs. All right, so um, when I, I got out of high school, I could say, um, you know, like life had changed. Like when I was in high school, I thought I was the dude, right? I thought like life was gonna be so marvelous, so spectacular, and, and, and I had these awesome dreams and you know, everything was gonna flourish and you know, uh, multiply. But life showed up, man, and hit me in the face for some shit that I wasn't expecting, <laughs> you know? <laughs> You know, and, and the funny thing, when I go to schools today, I see kids in there and they remind me so much of myself, right? Well, I thought that I knew everything in high school, right? And, but literally, I didn't have a clue to what was going on in life. You know, uh, like I say, my mother always took care. She always provided for me, right? And um, when, when that kind of like stopped it abruptly, because once I got out of high school and she knew that I won't go into college. She was like, look, well, you, you grown now. You know, I done done my part, it's up to you. You know, and um, so that's when, you know, I've I, I seen guys that I was in school with that was uh, partaking in, you know, uh, selling drugs. And they was making a, a nice living out of it. You know, they was getting their home, well, not homes, like apartments, they was getting cars. It was getting nice jewelry and clothes, and plus, they was getting nice-looking girlfriends, uh, and, and and it kind of like bothered me at first because at first it was me that was getting the girlfriends and stuff, and I was like, well, how can this guy? And they wasn't they wasn't even attractive guys, right? And I was like, how is they getting all the girls now? And um, <laughs> the guy was like, man, because they the ones that's uh, you know, got 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 the uh, material thing now, right? And um, so I, you know, I decided that, you know, I would get in, the, in, the, in that game, um, in that lifestyle. Um, when I got in it, um, we first started off, I used to smoke marijuana and, and drink beer. You know, um, that's, I did that in high school. Um, you know, I did that a little bit in high school. Um, but like I said, when I got out of high school, um, my my priorities changed. My my vision on life had changed. So uh, me being out all day and 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 in in that lifestyle, you know, um, we would uh, start eventually like sniffing heroin. Uh, and um, you know, that was the thing. It was a female actually that introduced me to heroin. You know, um, and. That went on for a while, you know, um, but the um, the lifestyle kept going, and you know, I was eventually getting things, and you know, um, filling myself a little bit, and the drug addiction in itself 
just like got out of control. You know, um, it, it went from um, just doing it to, because uh, what I was told when I was, when I first done it was like, um, this girl, she had told me, she was like, I want somebody that got a dope heart, right, to have sex with me. And I didn't know what that was at the time. And I asked one of my friends and they was telling me that heroin keep you harder for a longer period of time. Right. So I did it for the first time and, and um actually I liked it. You know, uh the but the the thing about it was that once I've done it for that time and, and, and it impressed me and impressed her, I I done it again. Right. And then I done it again. And then I done it again. And then the next thing you know, that I was doing it on a regular basis now. And and next thing you know, I was I was hooked on it. And in the process of that, not only at first what I'd done it for was to keep me going, to keep me aroused, it took it away after a while. Right? Um, what it had done, it had, um, I would say, it gave me the pleasure at first. It tricked me. Then it took it away after a while because after a while, I didn't want to have sex anymore with, you know, I just wanted to, to just do it. It just became like the heroin itself became my girlfriend. It became my comfort, you know, um, it became like my favorite sweater or my favorite chair. And, and I would just sit in there. Um, so I end up, I end up going to uh, prison. You know, I, I caught a cocaine charge. I end up going to prison and I, I stayed in prison for three and a half years. While I was in prison, um, I would, you know, work out. Um, I would, um, you know, do whatever I had to do. I wouldn't, I, I, I got high a little in prison, you know, um, but I always worked on the physical because I was like, when I go home, I want to be buff. I want to be big. I want to be muscular. You know, I, I, I want the, the girls to see, I want to wow the girls when I take my shirt off, you know. Um, so I worked out a lot. And um, when I went to prison, the thing about it was uh, a lot of the friends of people that I knew from around my way and from around other way, they was already in prison. So when I got there, it was like, I, I just, Came, I just went to a reunion because I all I knew everybody. I was kind of um, popular in, in in my area, so uh, I stayed involved with the same people. You know, we we always reminisced over old times. You know about when we used to do this and how it used to be. And you know, I I never changed. I never tried to change like my thinking. I just was trying to change my physical appearance. Uh, to look like I was uh, 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 pop, well, not look popular, but look like that I was uh, it, I was the dude, right? So um, I end up going home after three and a half years, and I, I, the the neighborhood had changed. It wasn't the same neighborhood, and in three and a half years, it had changed so fast, right? Um, New people had came in the area, 
what, what once was selling cocaine, they was now selling heroin. And heroin was it was a big seller in my in my neighborhood. Right. Uh so um and I knew most of the guys that that, you know, like um put partaked in that in that lifestyle. And eventually coming out of the door, out of prison after doing three and a half years, the very next day I was home, I was back in the game. You know, um I was saying that I was gonna build myself up. I always thought that, you know, um, I had the uh, the hustling ability to progress uh, or to get so beyond where I thought, like, one day I was going to be, I was going to make so much money that I was going to be on this island and I was going to have, you know, like these Spanish-speaking females walking around in bikinis and, you know, I'm sipping my ties or whatever, smoking cigars, right? You know, but that that never happened, right? That's just a lie that I told myself and that not only did I tell myself, also like media, like films, right? Uh, uh, that, that would tell me music, that would tell me that, you know, I could be the one that get away, right? Um, and, and it never dawned on me then that I would see people around me going to prison, going to jail, dying, right? getting shot, overdosing. And it never dawned on me that it would be me. I always thought that I was going to be the one to get away. I always thought that I was smart enough, right? I wasn't going to do it like they done it. I was going to do it my way. And it was a lie that I bought into. Right? Um, because I know now that two things that are this guaranteed to come with with that lifestyle that's prison or death right you may escape death by going to prison or you may escape prison by getting killed right but those two things are guaranteed to happen and but i didn't see i didn't see this at the time because like i said i was still young and i i still had that mentality that you know i was going to it wasn't going to be me I, it wasn't going i wasn't going to be like that you know um so during the time that I was home, uh, a couple of years, you know, about I, I, hey, I got a question. I just want to start to catch you off. But when you say the lifestyle, do you mean like just being addicted to drugs? And is it specifically, and you're saying heroin, right? I just pronounce it differently. I just want to make, I don't know that many drugs. So I just want to make sure it's that one. Um, yeah. So are you saying just being addicted or were you also selling too? Yeah, I was selling too. And okay. I, now, when I say um, that lifestyle, I don't mean just using. I mean being a life, being um, addicted to the lifestyle of getting fast money. You know, the popularity of the, yeah. of the cars. You know, the clothes, the jewelry, the females. You know, um, walking or going into somewhere and people know you. You know, um, and you you feeling like you know uh, you the president of the United Hood of America. You know, that that type of, that's the lifestyle I'm talking about being addicted to, right? Uh, the, uh, the, the uh, being where, where people see you as a success, you know, because there's so many failures in the neighborhood and everybody, everybody want to come up, right? But a lot of people don't want to put the work in to come up. So what they try to do, they try to, um, 
stab you in the back or or they try to take what you have worked what you say hard for because i ain't gonna lie uh dealing drugs is hard work man if you know it might not seem like like somebody just standing on the corner all day or you know sitting in the house but no you have it is mentally hard work because you have to be out there almost 24 7. you have to get up and when somebody call you or or um you have to go you know um you got to look out for guys that's going to stick you up right because there's a lot of robbery and like i said there's a lot of people that um want to get what you have and they don't care about no fame and all that they're coming for you they just as hungry as you are um you have to worry about police you know um because they their job is to lock you up because you are doing wrong right um you know so um it's not like it's a, a steady nine to five somebody call you at two in the morning you have to get that because if you don't there's somebody else gonna get it and then they're gonna become their customers because you're not available for when they need you so you know um it's not as you know uh i i know i spent more uh energy doing that than i do working a nine to five job i wasted more energy you know that's why a lot of people look older you know um because they do, they waste so much energy doing nothing right then when it was if they was to just get a, a nine to five job you know um so and that lifestyle plays a toll on you you know your body you know not only just your body but also your mind and your spirit you know um so as i i forgot where i was at but uh as i um you know like i said when i came home from prison you know uh a lot of my friends and people different people was in that neighborhood and they had moved over to selling heron um i got involved in that real quick uh end up getting you have to excuse me because i have real bad uh nerve damage in my in my, my left side so sometimes it, it it'll hit and i have to uh just let it go away so um yeah i got involved in that man and you know um and that lifestyle come uh, <laughs> certain things that you got to be ready for like the uh when you have uh shootout you have drug wars you have neighborhood wars you have people fighting for different positions in the neighborhood and uh some instances came up i'm not going to be too specific about but uh i end up one day coming early in the morning matter of fact it was november the first it'll be it's 20 years this month right i'm leaving out my house going around the street two guys man um came from behind the bushes and when i looked around they were standing right there in front of me and one of them shot me in my chest and when i fell to the ground he just stood over top of me man and just let three more off in me uh, um and wow sometimes I, when i tell that story i don't tell that story a lot but when i tell it and by being so close to that day like today i done got real emotional behind that because it it i don't tell it a lot and, and it brings back that memory uh, um but um yeah it stood over top of me man and, and and let three more off in my chest and i was in 
on the side of the, between the street and the sidewalk in, in like the gutter. You ever seen a, well, I'm pretty sure you have, but you ever seen a dog that get hit by a car and in the street? Well, just in like movies and I saw some pretty rough dogs in Nepal, but never saw one hit, hit by a car. I mean, you ever seen a dog land in the middle of the street after oh, being hit by a car? Uh, something close, just a sick dog, but not after getting hit by a all car, right. no. All right, well, uh, I, you know, um, all I could think about um, when, when, when um, I got shot and I was laying in the gutter, laying on the, in the street, I was like, God, please don't let me die like a dog in the street. Please don't let me die like a dog in the street, you know. Um, and after that it happened, a couple of my friends was riding down the street. They seen me. They picked me up and took me to the hospital. Right. Um, I get to the hospital, and during this time, it was I don't know if it was the Afghanistan or Iraq war. Well, I don't know which one it was, but it was a surgeon leaving out of the hospital when I was coming in the hospital. And he is a surgeon that was in MCV VCU hospital that was giving the doctors there a new procedure on how to deal with gunshot wounds, on how to deal with trauma victims, right? He's like this world renowned trauma doctor. And when I was coming in, he was coming out cause he had finished this session. And he has, they had seen me and, um, he got me, put me on the gurney. They ran me to the emergency room. He actually was the one that do the surgery on me. All right. Um, so get there. Uh, they, they, uh, I stayed, I stayed in a, uh, a coma for a while because at first they told my mother that I wouldn't stop bleeding. I was internally bleeding, right? And when they cut me open, as they said just blood just gushed all over the place, just came out like a running river and they couldn't stop the bleed. Right? So they told my mother, was like, well, you know, we, we can't stop the bleeding. Uh, we don't think he's gonna make it through the night. And uh, my mother had told them say, um, well, as long as y'all done the best you can, you know, the rest is up to him and God. Him and God gotta have that conversation. Y'all y'all can't, you know, y'all don't have that power to, to say what him and you know the conversation going to be between him and God, and eventually, um, you know, I stopped bleeding. You know, uh, like like I say, that surgeon he did the surgery on me, but it was uh said that I was going to be paralyzed from my neck down, right? Because when I was in the hospital, I had a lot of complications. I had a lot. I I caught pneumonia. Um, they end up having to take out my my kidney, one of my kidneys, um, half my stomach, uh, uh, some of my lung, my pancreas had, had exploded. They had to take out my spleen, and plus it was uh, they had to leave some bullets in because it was too close to my spine where they didn't want to cause more damage. Right. So um, and while I was in there, like I said, and then I end up uh catching a bed sore because they couldn't turn me because by me standing on my back for so long, you know, my butt ended up catching a sore on it. So that kept giving me infection. Um, while I was in there, um, my, uh, my stomach, the, 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 uh, the, 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 
with the stitches that they had put in my stomach at the time, when they had moved me out of ICU, they moved me to what they call a, a, a PICU level. And that's a little bit, you can't go on the main floor, but you can get off an of ICU unit. Um, and then while I was in there, the, the stitches in my stomach had busted. Right? Um, so they had to rush me back into the emergency room. They had to uh, stitch them back up. You know, uh, I had a, a food where they couldn't, I couldn't eat food. So they had to put a thing up down through my nose and go straight to my intestines because they had to bypass my stomach because I couldn't put anything on my stomach at that time. You know, um, and, and I was just laying there, man. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, the only thing I could move was my head. Um, wow. Wow. So, uh, eventually, they let me go home, right? Uh, but I had to go home. I had to stay in the hospital bed. You know, I still couldn't move anything. Uh, I would lay in the bed all day long. And all I could do was watch television. And all I saw was people on television living life. And it was so horrible for me because by me not being able to move anything but my neck, I could see things that I thought at that time that I would never be able to do again. I had a son and I had a daughter. I thought that I, me and my daughter and my son would never have a relationship. I could never walk. I could never feel the, the sand or the grass in my toes again. You know, um, I would never be in a relationship with a female, you know, um, because I was incarcerated to this bed for life, right? Um, uh, wow. So I end up, like I say, I end up going home. You know, I'm doing the same thing at home. And the thing about it was when I got home, my mother, the whole time that she came to see me, and that was, uh, that was I was in the hospital for a while, um, for months. And she never told me that her cancer had came back. Right? She had had cancer before in her mouth. She had to have surgery on it, you know, um, and it, I, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, but it had went away. But when I was in the hospital, her surgery came back and it went up to her brain. So um, I'm laying in the bed in, the, in, in downstairs. She had made, she had turned the living room into my bed and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at, you know, TV and you know, her room was upstairs. I hear a, a blunt on the floor, right, upstairs, just hit the floor. And I'm like, mom, mom calling her. And she like, I failed. And I was like, what? So I had a, a physical therapist lady that uh, would come like every other day to make sure, you know, cause I, like I said, you know, I had to have on pampers. I had, somebody had to watch me, somebody had to feed me, you know, um, somebody had to change me, you know, um, and, um, she had just so she had to come that day and when she got there like an hour or two later i told her i said um, i need you to go check on my mother i think she's falling so she go upstairs and uh she ended up calling the ambulance they uh brought my mother down the steps and 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 that was so um man that was so uh quick because i couldn't move 
you know, and, and I couldn't get to, to help, you know, my mother, it's one that provided for me all my life, you know, um, and, and, and then when they was bringing her uh, down in the, in, the, um, in the stretcher down the steps, I looked over there and I seen them taking her out the door. And, and, and right there, I knew that that was going to be the last time that I got to see my mother alive. You know, I, I, I just had that feeling because I didn't know. I know she had gotten sick, but I didn't know that the, the cancer had spread to her brain. Right. And, um, you know, she went to the hospital. Um, you know, I, like I, I said, I had an older brother. You know, he's 10 years older than me. So we really never had like a a bond, you know, by, you know, like when I was 10, he was 20 and we weren't, you know, kicking it. He did, did his stints in prison and all. So uh, um, it was up to him to, you know, help me while my mother was uh, in the hospital. And he has, he had his own addiction to deal with. He had a crack addiction. And um, I ended up catching an infection while I was there, they had to take me back to the hospital. And I was in the hospital, and that's when they told me that, you know, uh, like a day or two, they came in there and they told me that my mom had passed. You know, um, and, and, and I was like, wow. So I ended up, they let me go from the hospital, you know, they some nurses and stuff, they took me to the funeral. You know, uh, I sat in there, man, and I cried so hard, man. I, I mean, I cried because I knew, you know, um, this was somebody that I had in my corner, right? Regardless of the situation, you know, regardless of whatever I went through, I, I, I knew that she always had my back. You know, I knew that she would always be there for me. And when that was taken away, I, 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 I lost it, man. I, um. You know, I went into a depression so deep, right? Um, I ended up going back into the hospital. Um, and in the meantime, while I was in the hospital, my brother lost the house, right? Um, so while I was in the hospital, you know, I just lost my mother. You know, I, I just became paralyzed. Now I'm homeless. Right? I have nowhere to go. I have nobody that I'm gonna make sure that I was okay. So I ended up staying in the hospital for a while and um, they moved me to a nursing home. And I, I was in this nursing home and um, man, I, I, I could remember, you know, like, and I, my shout out goes out to nurses that love to do what they do, you know, because they are marvelous, they are spectacular, man. But then you have some nervous nurses that's not shit. You know, they're just there for a job. You know, they're just there to get paid, you know, and, and they treat you and you know it because of, you can tell how their attitude is as soon as they come through the room, you know. And uh, like I say, uh, shout out, go because I've had some great nurses too, right? And um, so, you know, I was sitting in this, man, I was sitting there and, and the same thing. I just lay there and I watched TV all day. And like I said, man, that's a horrible feeling. The bit you, what you have, that's all I could do, you know, is lay back and look at this TV on this wall and see life go on and people enjoying life and people doing things in life that I would never be able to do again, you know. Um, and 
you know, I just gave up. I was like, man, you know what, man? Uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm going through depression. You know, I'm feeling lonely. You know, I didn't see my life, you know, uh, progressing from that part, from that point on. I was like, this, you know, what, what that, what did I do so wrong, you know, in life to be put in this situation, right? Um, and it was just to the point, man, where I just gave up. You know, I wouldn't do no physical therapy. I would, I wouldn't try. And uh, but I always had like a tingle in my shoulders, right? Um, it was like little little needles was sticking in my shoulders. I could always feel that. But um, so um, one night, man, I I was in there and I went to sleep, and uh, I say like I don't know, it might have been two, three o'clock in the morning. It was like some a voice had came to me, and it said that um, if you don't fight for your life, you are going to die. I did not raise you to not fight for your life. And I woke up, and I was looking around. I was like, "What the hell was that?" And I'm looking around, and my mother she used to smoke. And she was a supervisor where she worked at. So when she would like uh, eat Hall's cough drops a lot because she didn't want people to smell like the smoke on her um, on her on 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 her, her breath. And when I woke up and I and, and once it, I was like, what was going? What was that? What was that? I smelled Hall's cough drop, and I was like, wow. I said, was that my mother? I was that you know like and and for me uh I'm not a religious person but I am a very spiritual person right and and for me that was like my spiritual awakening right um I sat there all night long and and I just tried I tried to like make some sense out of this I'm trying to you know my um my 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 finite uh, thinking right I try to put put this together and, and uh, I I don't know what uh, I know. The next morning, the nurse came in there because every morning they would come in. They'd be like, "You want to go? You want to do physical therapy?" I'd be like, "No, nah, I don't want to do no physical therapy. Get out my room. Get out my room." And um, that morning when the nurse came through there, she was like, "You want to do some physical therapy?" She was like, "I don't know why I'm asking her as for in the house." I mean, she was you know that's how she talked, but she was very loving and very kind, and I love that nurse to death. And I uh, I say uh. She said, I don't know why, because I don't know why I'm actually hate for ass in the house. I said, yeah, I want to do some physical therapy. And she turned around and looked at me. She was like, for real? I was like, yeah. She said, well, well, Angel slapped you on the ass this morning, woke you up. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, I don't know, but you know, I want to go in there. So they uh they cleaned me up, they picked me out of the bed, they set me in the chair, they scrapped me to my chair. And um, off we went to physical therapy. So it was a, I guess it was like a room. It's not like a, a bicycle for your arms, you know, where you do the like the bicycle motion. And they scrapped my um my hand to this machine, and it was a, a physical therapist behind me that just moved my elbow and 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 let the machine like just move, just move, just move. And uh, 
that's all we did, man, for, for probably about two weeks. That's all we done. But in the um, process of doing that, I could feel like um, the tingling was was moving down a little bit, right, into like my arms. So that kind of gave me like inspiration to do more, right? I, I wanted to do more, I wanted to do more. So one day we come out of there and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, cause I, they, like I say, they still have to feed me. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start feeding myself. So um, they would put the tray in front of me and um, they would scrap like a fork item to my hand, a spoon at the time. And they were like, let us feed you. And I was like, no, I'm going to feed my damn self. I'm going to feed myself. I'm going to learn how to do it. So they used to put like this big bib on me because I would, I, I would sit there and I would just sit there and I would just try to like visualize like my hand moving, like my arm moving up to my face, up to my face. And eventually, you know, it started uh, moving a little bit and it started moving a little bit more and it started moving a little bit more. And then I would get it up to my chest and it would fall all over my clothes, right? And the nurses, they'll be like, let us feed you, let us feed you. I was like, no, oh, because they had to clean it up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I, I say, man, after about, um, about eight, nine days of, of doing that and going to therapy, you know, regularly, uh, I was able to start moving my, you know, like my, my arms and, and moving it up to my mouth. And I started like, feeding myself, you know, um, and, and like I said, I don't like Brussels sprouts, but that day that I ate them Brussels sprouts, man, for the very first time, I, that was the best Brussels sprouts I ever ate in my life, man, you know, and, um, you know, um, so that was, I was like, wow, if I could do that, you know, maybe I could do, because my, at, at once I done that, my thing was, I'm going to learn how to get out this bed by myself. You know, I'm gonna learn, you know, where they ain't gonna have to keep coming and picking me up, you know, and put me in the chair. I'm gonna learn how to get out here. I'm gonna learn how to push the chair myself. And so we used to have an hour of physical therapy every morning, right? Then after that, they'll bring me back there, put me in the bed. And um, I would uh, try to uh, like do my, I don't, I, I wouldn't call them sit ups at the time. I was just trying to see even if how far I could get off the mat, right? How far I could get off the bed. So I would try to like sit up, sit up, and I couldn't get off the mat at all at, at first. You know, I, I would just move my head, just rock my head. And and by me having all day to be there, that's all I did most of the day. I do that, fall to sleep, wake up, do some more, fall to sleep, wake up, do some more. And um eventually, man, um, you know, uh, I started doing, being able to do, um, but they not, they're not um, sit-ups all the way, but crunches, you know? I was being able to like move up every, it seemed like it just kept going and going and I was doing crunches. And the whole time I didn't know it because I wasn't doing for this. I was, man, I got like the best six pack ever, right? <laughs> you know? and. Uh, but I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it for to try to be able to get up out the bed on my own. And then, you know, like my arms came, my arm strength started coming slowly back. I would, uh, they would, we'll leave out physical therapy. I'd tell them to put me on my stomach. And I started trying to do like little push-ups, like just get up, being able to get up off of the mat on my own. And I got great arms for that, you know. Um, and, and, and eventually, 
that started coming into that started coming into that started coming into um i was able to like finally finally like sit up in the bed on my own right? i was able to finally learn how to get out of the bed right things that you take for granted every day just get up get out of the bed and go do what you i was finally able to get up out of the bed get in the wheelchair right i was finally able to dress put my own shirt on right um uh but i still have uh other problems right so um i uh i end up like 18 months man i've i've done this and it probably was more than that but i know exactly it was 18 months uh i was in i was laying in the bed and I, uh, no, actually, I had woke up. One morning, I woke up, and I felt like I had to use the bathroom, right? And I never had that feeling in, like, two years. And I was like, what the hell? Did I, do I got to, you know, urinate? And when I looked down, like, um, I was like, man, you know, I had a erection. I was hard, right? And I was like, yes. I was like, yes, thank you, God. Right? I was like, if you can do this for me, then I should be able to do the rest. Because like I was young and I could never have pictured myself had been in a relationship with a female without that organ being alive, right? Because like, um, now, I, I ain't gonna say that there's, there aren't any females out there that aren't, aren't willing to do that, but I didn't want to put one through that. You know, um, I didn't want to put myself through that of, 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 of self-doubting somebody, you know, because I'm not able to, to please them sexually, right? So I didn't want to do that, you know, um, and, and it hurt me a, a, a for it because I always, like I said, I consider myself like a, a ladies man. You know, um, and, and and when that came about, you know, I was like, wow. And the nurse, she came and she was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, man, I got to use the bathroom. And she was like, all right. I was like, but I ain't never had to use the bathroom in like two years. And she was like, for real? And I was like, yeah, look. And she was like, well, put that away. I don't want to see that. Right? <laughs> 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 Oh man. <laughs> and and the thing about it was, man, I was like, I was so happy, right? And um I can remember that when I used to lay in the bed, I used to be like, cause I was still wearing like with the uh chucks or whatever they call them. They they was pampers, right? Big blue pampers. Now I'm grown, you know, I'm grown man, so that did a lot for you know, also was that I couldn't gain a relationship with no with a female and I'm still wearing pampers. Right. And um so I I was telling I said, man, I could remember when I used to lay in this bed and all I wanted to do one day was be able to buy me some underwear. Right. That was something that I had looked forward to, but never thought that I would be able to do again. Just go to the store and buy simple underwear. Right? And um when we went to the store and I bought underwear for the first time. That was like one of the uh, 
hugest accomplishments that I had done in my life for, for a long period of time. Where I was able to put on a, a simple pair of underwear again. Right? It, 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 it done so much to my spirit. Right? I was like, yes. You know, um, and, and I, I, was, I was telling um, a, a, a doctor about it at that time. I was like, see, these things you take for granted. You know, um, just, to, you know, you need a pair of underwear, you go to the store and you just get you a pair of underwear. But for me, that was like a lifetime accomplishment because I thought it was taken away from me. I, um, so I eventually, you know, I, I, I got better, I got stronger. You know, um, I, I defy all odds. They, like I said, they said I would never get out of that bed again. I, um, I'm pushing myself around in the hospital. I'm going to therapy, I'm doing it on my own. I'm dressing myself, I'm feeding myself. You know, um, and and uh, you know, uh, I'm going outside. I'm I'm going to do to to shop again. You know, I'm um, to do laundry, and and eventually I end up. You know, I got to the point where I got healthy enough that I end up leaving the hospital and was able to like get my own apartment. Now, mind you, the whole time that I was in the hospital, I'm working on the physical again. Like, that's all I'm, I'm working on. I'm working on the physical. Um, so uh, when I get out of the hospital, I go back around the same people um, that I grew up with. I go back into the same area that I had gotten shot in. Right? Um, and guess what? I get back into the same lifestyle that I left because I was only working on the physical. Right, I get back into the same lifestyle. Um, I end up, man, um, catching a prison sentence. Right, uh, I end up going to prison. I went, I went to federal prison, you know, uh, for a a, a, per, a long period of time. You know, um, way in Texas, man. You know, and I'm from Virginia. I don't know nobody in Texas. You know. Uh, Heard, heard a lot about Texas, didn't like what I hear, and, you know, I didn't really want to go. And uh, so uh, I ended up, you know, staying in Texas for a while. Uh, you know, met some guys in there that was in wheelchairs too. You know, um, we had, you know, uh, we hung together, we slept together, we cried together. We bonded because we all had something in common, and that was the wheelchair. And I felt comfortable talking to them about my life situations. And they felt comfortable talking to me about, you know, even if it was just relationship, you know, um, because uh, it was more like they had um, history of that. So they could, they could understand me instead of like book knowledge of that. So we could relate to each other better. Um, I ended up doing my long stints in them and I came home. Right, we worked out together in there. Right, uh, so I'm still working on the physical. Right, uh, end up coming home. I was home for four months. Right, after doing eight and a half years, I was home for four months. I can remember um, going over one of my friends' houses and getting some getting some hair on 
And when I came back, next thing I knew, I was in the back of an ambulance. Right. And um, they were saying, welcome back. And I was like, welcome back. Well, where'd I go? It was like, you had died. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, you overdosed. And I was like, what? I was like, so um, they sent me to the hospital, right? I'm in the hospital. And and while I'm in there, now I'm afraid, right? Because I've, you know, I've like had my stints with death, but I ain't never going to like kill myself, right? And um, and like I said, when it started off in the beginning, I never thought that I would end up in this position. It was fun in the beginning, right? You know, that's how it, it, it introduced itself. Yeah, we're gonna have a good time. We're gonna party, and then it's go. But it got to the point now it was killing me. Uh, um, so I ended up going into a drug rehab program, right? Um, it's the healing place down here in Richmond, Virginia. And it's an intense 69 month program. But while I was in there, I was on federal probation. So I ended up getting violated. So I had to go back to prison. I was only home four months, right? I had to go back to prison, right? And do another year on the violation, right? Um, so while I'm in prison, um, I'm, I'm, I'm telling myself, I said, man, you gotta change. You got to change. If you don't change, you know, you're going to die. You're going to kill yourself. And all the work that you've done is going to be for nothing. Right? And, 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 and I, I just kept telling myself, I just kept telling myself, I got to do something different. I got to do something different. You know, I don't know what it is, but I got to do something different. So uh, I, would, um, I would try to everything, man. I would go to, uh, I would go to Christian churches. I would go to, uh, uh, I would do the, the um, Nation of Islam. I would do the uh, Sunni Islam. I would do the 5%er. I would go to, uh, what's the name of the people? The Jehovah Witnesses. I was trying to find like some type of connection, man. Something to do different than what I've been doing. And I think I was in there for like eight months. I had, cause um. On a year, you do 10 and a half months, you go home. And um, I was in there and I was laying on my bunk. And I was like, man, um, I got to do something different, you know? So while I was in there, I can remember I was laying on the bunk and I was like, I was in Kentucky at this time. And I was thinking, you know, my, I, was, I was wide awoke, but my mind was all the way back in Richmond, Virginia. And a friend of mine, he came to me. He was like, man, um, wake up, man. Wake up. Come on back. Come on back. You way out there. And I was like, yeah. I said, man, I was just thinking, man. I said, man, you know, I thought, you know, I was imagining that I was way back in Richmond, Virginia. And he was like, yeah, come on back, man. And uh, it hit me. I was like, you know what? Even though they got me physically in a box, right, you know, my imagination is so strong that even though I'm here physically, my my mind and my spirit was way enriching, you know. Um, and, and and I was like, man, how that was deep, right? Um, because I never looked at imagination like that before. And I was like, well, how can I, you know, um, like uh, put? Because I'm like I'm trying to get a connection with God at this time, right? 
and, and I was like, so how can I put God in a box, right? If, if, if he's everything, you know, if he's everywhere, how can I put something that's, that I cannot never, because like I said with my finite mind, I can't think of everything. I can't think of every, you know, um, every situation or every circumstance. How can I think on the level of a supreme being? And so I was like, how can I put him in a box? Right? I was like, if I put him in a box, then I'm being somebody else doing the thinking for me. Right? And that's for me what the greatest sin of all was not to be able to think for my damn self. Right? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to use that as my imagination. Whatever I need him to be for that particular time, for that particular moment, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the divine energy that I, you know, uh, connect myself with. Right, so um, and um, and then man, I, I'm telling you, man, I I I started reading and I started putting my own little uh interpretations instead of what somebody else might interpret it as for them to be. I started, you know, and I started um, and then it came to me it was like, you know what? Every time you go home, you know, you always say like you gonna do you one more, and then that's gonna be it gonna go on and you know when I'm talking about one more I'm talking about do one more party you know um do one more hit a dope do one more drink or, or or whatever the case may be and then you always end up right back here so I end up uh writing the, the drug program that I had went that I had that they locked me up in and I was like man I need to come back I said because I gotta do something different and if I don't then I'm I feel like that I'm going to die on the streets and they was like, well, whenever you finish your sentence, you're welcome to come back here. So I ended up going back there, man. Um, and uh, the whole time, like, I stayed there. It was, it's a nine-month program. I stayed there for a year. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I had already said, like, look, you got to do something different. You know, you, you, you got to do something different. Then it hit me, like, you're always looking for things on the outside of you to make you complete, right? So if you want to start doing something different, then I had to start, I had to rewire how I thought, right? So my thinking had to change in order for my actions to change. So in order for my actions to change, that had to be an inside job for me, right? Like, won't no cars gonna fix it, won't no females gonna fix it, won't no jewelry, won't no money, won't none of that gonna fix me. I had to go inside, man, you know, and 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 find out what's what what motivates me, what drives me, who that I I really am. All right. So in doing this, you know, like I said, my thinking changed. I stopped going around those other places. I stopped being with those other people. Right. I stopped uh worrying about how somebody else felt about me, you know, or 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 how I looked towards somebody else because it was about me now. All right. And um I can remember like when I first started doing this and I was uh I was in the program, I had to read a lot, read a lot, read a lot. So that means I had a lot of time by myself. Um and you know, uh I would like go out and I see certain people and, and they'd be like, Man, um, won't you come on around such and such place? And I wanted to go around there so bad, right? Because it's lonely when you have to work on yourself, man. You know, sometimes you you know you want to hang out, you want to you know enjoy it, but you know it it, it get lonely sometimes. You know, and then when people see you trying to change, that's what they say. They was like, "Oh, you think you better than us, man? You think you uh 
you this or you that, you know, you didn't change. And, and after a while, you know, it, it played on me, but then after a while, I was like, you know what? They're right. I have changed. So I was like, you damn right, I changed. So that's good. That's not a bad thing. You know, at first I looked at it as being bad. Right? But then I was like, shit, I, I did, I accomplished something. You know, I'm changing. You know, I'm evolving. That's what I'm supposed to do anyhow. You know, and um, you know, I was like, and 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 um and doing this like internal work. I, like I was I was able to get like some garbage that I had put in for so many years, right? You know, because I always had a voice to tell me um when something won't right and when something was bad and when something was good with you know, when 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 fear and, and all that kicked in, right? I always had that voice. But as the years came, it got smaller and smaller because I was putting stuff over top of it, like pride, you know, like ego, like uh, not wanting you to think that I was scared to to go and do this and do that. So, you know, then, you know, once I started like taking some of this trash out, you know, the divorce started getting louder. I could hear it. Right? And, and so now I started, you know, like saying maybe that the, my spiritual connection to a higher power, right, that I've been um, neglecting for years, maybe I need to pay attention to this, right? And um, I, I, I was like, you know what? And, and like I said, in, in doing this um, internal, um, just trying to get some peace, you know, understanding. You know what I come to realize? You know, um, they're not gonna never understand me because I'm doing this internal. I realized that I'm a lion, right? And I'm a lion, but I was hanging with hyena, right? And by nature, hyenas and lions not supposed to hang together in the house. Hyenas will never understand the shit that a lion do, right? Because hyenas don't think like lions think, right? And, and, and I was like, you know what? I don't know why I'm even worried about why what they're thinking about me. You know, and um, I just, man, I just, you know, that's all I, I, I done for that whole year. I just, you know, it was like, you know, I focus on me. I focus on my thinking. I focus on like my spiritual connection with a divine being. You know, um, I got more in tune with, uh, you know, um, like the universe, you know. And um, it was during like graduation when I was having to graduate from, from this place. And I'm going to tell you how this happened how the universe worked for me that I see. Right? Um, when I was um, doing my um, graduation, Mark, Mark England, somebody had invited him to come right, uh, to a class or something. And um, he ended up showing up. I never knew him, never seen him before. He never knew me, never seen me before. And he actually was in the wrong place. Right, and he's sitting in there now at the graduation. Everybody had to do a speech, right? Then after the graduation, they give everybody like two, three minutes to get our spiel on what was going on. And um, I was the last one, and and uh, I did mine on Muhammad Ali. Right, it was a picture on the wall, and I just told him like how when I was a little boy, how my 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 favorite person in life was Muhammad Ali. You know, and it was not what he did in, inside of the ring. We all knew he was a great man inside of the ring. But what he did, you know, far as how he held firm to his spiritual conviction 
you know, his principles, his moral values, and like how when, you know, when um he was the champion of the world and 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 um they came in and they stripped him of his title. Uh, and and how he lost friends and loved ones and people uh called him uh, uh like communist and and uh you know uh people just you know like put him down and 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 how he still stood firm on what he believed in and how he like retained it all back you know eventually just because he stood on what his faith and what he believed to be truth right and um and and, and I was you know I explained on that and we end up leaving out and that that was on a Friday I left out that Friday and I went away for the weekend. I came back, and one of the counselors that was there at Caritas, Caritas Work Center, she was like, you know, I've had a, um, a interesting conversation about you all weekend, and I was like, yeah, and you know, like I, man, I come from um, prisons and 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 corners and shootouts and stuff. I was like, well. I know I, don't, I ain't on no probation. You know, I know, you know, I was like, I know I ain't did nothing wrong. So, <laughs> who know what y'all talking about me about? Like, <laughs> so, she was like, no, it, it wasn't nothing. She was like, actually, it was good. Somebody want to meet you. Right. And um, I was like, who? So, she told me, she was like, it's this guy, you know, that was there at the time that you, you know, presented your thing and he wanted to talk to you. So I ended up meeting Mark over a um, thing of coffee. He was like, man, you know what? I was so impressed about what you said. You know, he was like, um, and, you know, I go around and I speak. You know, I do, you know, public speaking. He was like, have you ever thought about doing public speaking? I was like, no, not really. You know, um, I knew, though, that one of the things that I used to say when I was in the program that I would be able to love to help people, you know, especially, like, with disabilities, Right, um, how to, you know, like um, go in there and, and, and talk to them and motivate them, you know, and inspire them because I've been there. You know, I might not have no no letters or PhDs or masters and all that in it, but my experiences, right, in that, right, trumps all the letters you can put behind your name, right? You know, so uh, I was, you know, I was told, like, I wanted to talk, like, to at-risk youth or youth in general, right, because I've been there. You know, um, and uh, I was like, nah, but I never really. So he was like, won't you consider it and um, get back with me? So I was like, all right. And, and then he told me, he was like, because I wasn't even supposed to be there. You know, I was at the wrong place. He said, but I was there at the right time, though. You know, and, and, and I was thinking about what he was saying. And I was like, you know what? I almost didn't complete that program because they had set me back. And um, I had to go back for three months because of uh, some work that I didn't do. And I was getting ready to, to leave. I was getting ready to quit. But some just say, man, don't give up, man, because, you know, if you just stay in position, things are going to happen for you. So I I stayed, right? And, 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 and the reward of me staying and completing something that I hadn't completed, I hadn't completed nothing like that in forever since high school, right? The reward that the universe gave me was my being in that room that day, man, you know, and hearing me and knowing that 
what my my heart like how how hard that I try to you know um do something and change and the, and the universe rewarded me with that. That's how I see it, you know. Um and and um you know me and Mark man we like become like he's like one of my best friends, you know. Um he he helped me out a lot, you know. Uh like he got me to just this with you. He connected me with you. You know he connect connected me with some other people. I have an event coming up on the 28th. I'm speaking to um, a room full of people, you know, um, living in excuses. You know, how, how excuses keep us sick if we continue to live, live in them. You know, so um, that's where I'm at, man. You know, I've been doing this now for like two years, right? You know, and um, and I, I, I just, you know, like my outlook on life has changed. I never thought that I would be in the position that I'm in. Like, Right now, I would never have thought thought that like a couple of years ago. You know, I would never thought that you know I could you know because I'm still in a wheelchair, but I would never thought that I would be able to use this wheelchair as an asset or an avenue to help other people. You know, not just physically and as you know like that's dealing with addiction or or, or dealing with um, disability and, and physical disability. I'm talking about people in general that's going through shit. You know, that's that's uh, you know, like might be self-doubting themselves. You know, um, like caught in in, in 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 a situation where they ready to give up. You know, and, and I just you know try to use this as a vehicle to inspire somebody. Like my story, I just gave. I don't get that story out a lot. You know, um, I don't do that because like sometimes it it it, it brings back emotions and it brings back feelings that I haven't felt in a while. You know, um, so uh, yeah, I just try to man, like, man, man, just um, just 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 keep believing, keep on, you know, um, trying to stay connected with this universe, man. You know, um, just keep my 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 my, my spirituality up, man. Um, I have my own saying about about uh spirituality and religion. You know, I say that um, religion are uh, for people. Uh, when they when they die, they are afraid to go to hell, right? Spirituality is for people that have already been through or still going through hell and trying to come up out of there, you know? So um, that's just how my look is, man, on, on life today. Holy crap, man. <laughs> <laughs> That is by far the most insane story I've ever heard. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing all that. Holy, sh holy shit. <laughs> oh my God. Like there's some, some in there. I'm just like, like, Oh God. I'm just like nervous <laughs> laughing. I'm like, how did you go back again? Oh my goodness. That, yeah, man. that is intense. That is so intense, man. I have like a thousand questions for you. Um, <laughs> Well, first of all, just yeah. At first, well, just thanks for you know powering through and and going through all that, and thanks for what you're doing now, and thanks for your willingness to share that story. That's, uh, you know, that's that's intense. That, um, I guess the first thing that I, that I'll ask you is kind of say a few things, and you can kind of share whatever you want. But um, it would be along the lines of you know what what did you learn from that? You know what it, what were the most important things you learned? 
um, maybe if you had advice for people who are suffering from addiction, they just can't change, you know, like, is there something that you, you could have told your younger self that would have helped you change? Do you really need to die twice? You know, like that advice and being stuck. And then the last thing, sorry, the last thing I'll say is like, I think a lot of people are struggling with suicide. That just bottom of the rung stuff. And then people are just like beating themselves up and teens want to commit suicide over like Instagram and stupid shit. And, and it's, but for their mind and that imagination, like when you found it was real, it's very strong for them and they can feel like hopeless and helpless. So I just kind of wanted to give that and see what you thought about that. Okay. Um, what I would like to tell myself. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that part one. Holy crap, Paris's story is something else. And like I said, uh, Mark England just discovered him and said, man, you got to get him on your show. And I did because I listened. I trust Mark's opinion. And so we're trying to get him a website, um, invite him to speak in the States. He Mark says whenever he speaks, it's extraordinary. And I can imagine what a powerful, powerful life story with so much like wisdom and humility and authenticity. Um, and that's what it's about is like, you know, what is a spiritual teacher? Is it like they read the right books? Is it they meditate more? I don't know. Like I've been reading a ton of books, um, having a pie. I don't know if that makes me spiritual. It makes me interested in spirituality and goodness, but I don't know what my level of mastery is. Um, I think it's just, uh, you know, through life, you can learn these things in Paris, you know, people make excuses in these different ways. And he just hearing his story is so valuable. And there's so much knowledge in going through that and where he is now. So um, he needs support. Um, so we're going to try to set him up with a PayPal. I'm going to talk to Mark about this. Um, just, you know, look on YouTube for the link, look on, um, look in the description for the SoundCloud. I'm going to put it in there. Look on the mapbailer.com website. I'm going to have that link up as soon as I can invite Paris to speak, um, contact him, reach out because he, I guess he's just, you know, on public support and just barely squeezing by. And this guy, you know, can do a lot of good for the world. Just, just sharing his story. What a powerful human being and speaker for what he's been through and, uh, where he is now so anyway that's it um so yeah support him um thank you guys who support me on patreon i so appreciate you um please share this episode take screenshots tag me in it but the best thing that you can do is do one kind act today um let's make kindness go viral um hold the door open get someone's name as an act of kindness uh you know listen to someone pick up a piece of trash that's you know let's 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 uh you know spiritual spiritual mastery is three kind acts a day going out of your way to do it and not tell anybody you know it doesn't matter what you think or what you believe or what your religion is or what it isn't um you know the action is really where the mastery is so that's that's my thought right now i'm sure there's more to it than that uh, but thank you all of you to support that are supporting me thank you so much all my patrons thank you to everyone who's left a review thank you to the people who've reached out tyson and matthew and gina thank you thank you this it, oh, it's been a journey and I just love it. I appreciate you guys. I'm getting all set to go to Guatemala in a few days here um, for the Mayan Heart Festival. And, um, you know, just keep going down the rabbit hole, try to figure out what the heck's going on and what we can do to make this planet a better place. So uh, I love you guys. I appreciate you. I hope that you're well wherever you are. Um, you can reach out at mattbelair.com uh, forward slash coaching if you want that. If you haven't got this an athlete book yet, get that. Gift it for Christmas. It's an amazing gift. I'll send you a bunch of online stuff for free. The heart journey as well is out there. And that's uh, Christmas time. So if you want to 
donate, support, or contribute to help make this show amazing for 2019. Give me a little time and space to create some personal development uh, programs and education stuff I've been thinking about for a long time, just haven't had the time to do it. And that's what I'll do with a little bit of uh, resources and taking a little bit of the weight of all this work off my shoulders so I can create stuff that I really, really want to create. So if you want to support, I am definitely open. Um, you can check bit, I think, uh, paypal.me forward slash Matthew Belair with two T's and um, Patreon and all that stuff. I'll, I'll happily accept and, and I will make you awesome stuff. And I'm going to keep doing it even if you don't support me. So but support helps. <laughs> so that's it. Um, big, big love to you. And let's come into a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just t- stop taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just set the intention to come to powerful peace and presence now. Feeling totally complete and connected. Letting that breath out slowly with all the cares, all the stresses and all the worries. Taking another deep breath in through your nose. Holding that breath in, just coming to a powerful state of peace and presence and awareness, letting that breath out slowly, with all the cares and all the worries. Taking one more deep breath in through your nose, holding that breath and just letting it out slowly, feeling totally peaceful, present, connected, and ready to take on the day. So have an amazing one, and I will see you in the next episode, part two, with Paris Robinson.